0: Welcome to the Frontline Podcast, brought to you in association with the Atla Group. Atla Group is a collaboration of businesses with a collective history of over
1: 130 years, bringing financial solutions to its clients in the world of accountancy, audit, advisory, fiduciary and retirement benefit solutions. Visit atla.im today. On the Frontline Podcast, we chat to leaders in business and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their in-depth and bite-sized opinions that will add value to you and your mind.
2: Joseph, Christian, thanks for joining me again today. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having us. Pleasure, old, uh, old hat at this, uh, these cybers. So back in on the, on the front line, previously we've spoken about cyber security in depth. We thought it was a good opportunity to uh, just revisit a few things that have gone on with Pandora, etc. cetera. Yeah. Uh, to perhaps share some more knowledge with with our listening audience, but perhaps to get get going. One of the things again, as a business here at Atlet, we've looked at cybersecurity. Yep. Obviously, you guys have helped us a lot in that area. One of the, I think one of the things for any financial institution, and you look recently, uh, there was a local firm that was fined for, for certain issues within the business, and one of them was for around tech risk assessments that financials financial industries need to complete them, and that's a challenge. It's a it's another exercise and. Cyber obviously fits closely into that, yeah. I think. And speaking as someone in the industry, that when you look at costs, you want to pay the cost you have to pay, and any other costs that aren't regulatory or a requirement, it's, it's easy to overlook them. And I imagine for you guys, that's a challenge to to educate the industry that this is maybe a cost you have to incur today, but it's probably a cheaper cost today than a cost down the road if there's a problem. Is that that something you encounter? Absolutely,
1: yes. Um... Risk assessment is a very important part of what we do, and there are two levels to it. The first one is the business risk, which a lot of companies are familiar with. Many companies know their compliance risk. They know the marketing, sales, and everything. But in terms of the IT operational risk, and that is where there's a lot of gaps. And even when those risk assessments are done, they're not done to a Proper granular, granular level that will identify what assets they have, and in terms of IT risk and operations, what uh, threats those IT systems are going to face, who is going to own those um, risk, and what are the mitigation? And is, is, if there's a mitigation, is there a timeline? Is there a plan? So those are the kind of gaps we found existing in most organizations and the only way to solve that is to have a deep insight deep review of those it risk you know taken more seriously and that is exactly what organizations need to start doing have a deep insight of what's going on in the the organizations and how do we um, develop practical not high level
2: very very specific solutions to mitigate against them I think two two things off the back of that is that uh, from a commercial perspective maybe you can pick up on this Christian uh, that naturally is oh do I need to spend 20 grand yeah and I think think the reality is you don't it's about getting getting you guys in to assess yeah Yeah.
0: I think the um, the perception is in the the industry that you know cyber security has been very expensive and it's uh, software uh, an expensive software Whereas it, it isn't necessarily cyber security starts with, you know, good IT uh, practice. And it, but it also includes uh, procedures and policies, you know, and your people, just technology is not going to give you good cybersecurity, you need to have procedures you need to understand how your systems are configured, you need to understand password management, and you need to educate your staff while your IT manager knows. What, what is uh, you know a spam email what isn't some of the people admin people wouldn't know and if they click on it they, the damage is the same you know than when you know when some senior person clicks on it so it needs to be a holistic approach you know to be proactive and and that doesn't necessarily have to be expensive
2: yeah okay and that holistic approach I guess is. Also then, just that overview, and then it's not necessarily having to implement everything immediately, is it? It's just reviewing those, what do we urgently need to address, and what other ones can we risk manage from there onwards? Yeah, It's, it's a
0: lot of risk management yeah. and mitigation, so understanding the risk first, like Joseph said, and then from then on you you make a, an informed decision, I mitigate this, I need to do
2: this, or I don't need to address this. You know? what, what, what I've learned since I've got to know you guys mm-hmm. and worked with you guys as well is that uh, IT and cyber, are two, no disrespect to IT companies either, are typically two different things. So yeah. assuming your IT company is looking after cyber security, don't assume they're doing it to the level they need to do it. Would that be a correct statement? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's
1: also another gap we see in the, in the industry and in practice that a lot of people think if we have a very good IT company who manages our endpoints, they give us 2FA uh, multi-factor authentication um, The back up our data at some point we're, we're okay we're fine but you need more than that so like we we're speaking earlier before we started today there are levels of protection so the basic level of protection is essentially what most attackers used to get into systems like vulnerability management you know when last did you patch these vulnerabilities every day there is one vulnerability or the other. So, in our organization, we are very, very active with threat hunting. So, this is where we actually look for these vulnerabilities, even before they are announced, even before they are released. How do you do that? It means you have to do a lot of reverse engineering, a lot of internal security audits. So, it's important that organizations know that there are levels of protection. Some some protection require... Just the professional services, where you do, you know, monthly or quarterly security audits, write a report, or you want to do continuous monitoring, involve a SOC, the Security Operation Center, where we start correlating security events and giving the client security intelligence, you know, that continuous level, deep level, again, that falls back to what's the outcome of the risk assessment, was it properly done? And then quantified, you know, recently in the board meeting, we were talking about how do we quantify risk. You know, most of the risk assessments are qualitative. Well, if we put a dollar value or a pound value to those risk items, maybe people start thinking of, you know, their their, their situations in a different form. So, yes, we could do that. We could quantify, look at previous cases of ransomware, how long was it? Um, how long did it take the organizations to recover? What were the variables—the yeah. legal, the insurance companies, you know—and then try to put that value on a test case of ransomware on your SQL server, your database, your Exchange server, yeah. or the, the backbone, the bare metal of your your server in the data center. Yeah. If the if the bare metal gets infected with a rootkit, for example. You know, how do we recover from that? Yeah, yeah. Because the hardware is useless. So, how do you recover? How much will it cost? How much did it cost X, Y, Z company?
2: Yeah. You know, I think even yeah. then looking at a business from a strategic and commercial, having that understanding of those vulnerabilities, it's then understanding that risk reward is yeah. or risk and no reward if you get hacked. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think the uh, biggest issue, obviously, for the industry is that you know you. You don't immediately see the benefit as a company of spending the money for your cybersecurity, because your profit doesn't go up, and the risk is intangible for a lot of companies. Saying, "Oh, you say telling me I get hacked," but you know what does that mean? What does it cost me? That's it's very difficult for a lot of companies to capture that. Yeah, and so for us, our challenge is to kind of quantify that. Okay, saying your your data will be down for weeks, months, even you won't be able to do your financials. You won't be able to report to the regulator, that is a real risk. And that is very, very costly GDPR (laughs) is very costly. And because you haven't done your cybersecurity, and then we can say, look, just spending a little bit extra every month to do the basics is not expensive compared to what could happen. I mean, you don't
2: address if you don't address those issues. Yeah, yeah. I always remember. I think it was analogy when we first met. Yeah, uh, Joseph you talked about uh, you got a row of houses and you got a, f- uh, a burglar alarm on three of the houses and, th- and three of them haven't got burglar alarms. So yeah. Then there's only one place the burglar is happening. So uh, the keys to be the one with the alarm on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So we just talking before as well about, uh, I suppose, credibility, you talked about ISO a little bit. Can you just expand on that again for for, for that side, for what you guys do and can bring value then to to clients?
1: Okay. So that's the good news part. Um, Recently we got accredited by the ISO, so they call it the International Standards Organization. It's a recursive acronym 27001. How do we manage information security, um, how do we implement information security management in our organization? So we got uh, BSI to audit us to check what we tell our clients we do if we do them. You know, it's a week-long exercise, very rigorous, very detailed. So we got the stamp of approval. So this means that uh, there are clients who really care about their data, their protection, you know quality of service so this means that those clients can now trust us more than words yeah. you know we have the certificate to prove we have an identity now so obviously it's going to increase yeah. you know maybe value to clients maybe cost as well yeah. a little bit you know so it's a good news and a lot of not many not many organizations have this qualification and not many have this approval from a UCAS certified auditor like BSI or Lloyds, for example. Yeah. You yeah. just have to trust and credibility right. yes. it, to, to
2: it what's happening. A, it's a yeah. third
0: party auditor, like you have your audited financials, yeah. you know, it's really yeah. auditing your processes your controls so that you are following best practice yourself, yeah. rather than just telling others that yeah. they need to follow best yeah. practice. <laughs> and it's, um, it's often required for government contracts or, you know, public contracts where they need to make sure that obviously they only
2: engage high standards companies yeah. and so that, that's a good proof yeah. you know for us makes sense <laughs> so let's get on to uh, I'm sure a lot of people have uh, heard and seen in the press uh, the Pandora uh, papers if that was the name Pandora yeah. or something that was a hack of so again in the TSP CSP world it was a hack of I think more maybe a Caribbean side hack uh, data stolen a lot of data stolen yeah. a lot of data in the public domain again sadly the story isn't that data was stolen and that someone's committed a crime it was who's got who's got what it's, property and yeah. what structure and probably not really the story here sadly but that, that's the way the world works yeah. so what can you tell us about that hack um do you know how it was done There are are many ways to slice the
1: Pandora story. But so far, a lot of people are interested in the ethical, legal, (laughs) you know, moral side of the story. But the privacy side, you know, I won't really say the security side. I'll say the privacy. You know, I, I think everyone has their right to privacy. Okay. How you want to keep your money is your problem. It's your business. But there are so many ways a hacker could... Get to that level because those csps they build their business infrastructure they layer those companies you know on the background of privacy mm. now for you to break that privacy you need an insider you need definitely you need an inside man yeah sometimes it could just be an easy whistleblower you know private anonymous whistleblower or a remote you know investigative journalists using spyware you know to follow up and that leads me to this dangerous spyware everyone is talking about now i don't know if you've heard of um, the pegasus spyware okay. it's developed by the israeli um, security organization nso so they built this dangerous spyware for governments to fight terrorism but now can
2: i just pick up on you word dangerous what do you mean by the word dangerous
1: it's, it's a very dangerous uh, spyware because you can't really detect it. You, know, you have to be, you have to be a, a third, fourth level security engineer okay. to reverse engineer you know hardware devices with where the spyware is. Your normal protection, you know, okay. it's not going to pick up Pegasus. Mm-hmm. So it was designed, it's a military grade software. Now it's been, it's been get, gaining a lot of attention You know, recently the developers are saying we are seeing evidence of Pegasus used indiscriminately. It's not used by the clients that paid for it. You know, Morocco, you know, Nigeria, whatever they could pay for this software against terrorism, against Boko Haram and all that. And then all of a sudden, you people are using it for corporate espionage. You know, to spy on Mm. their competitors. Some are using it for investigative journalism. You install the the software on your computer, on your phone, actually, it can be implemented on any phone. And then it's remote calls, it tells the the attacker, you know, what you're using, your call logs, it could be, Pegasus could be listening to us right now, (laughs) and we don't know about it. You know, there's no indication, there's no obvious indication of compromise, you know, from the end user standpoint. Mm Edward Snowden, in, in his recent podcast, was saying that the best way is to turn off your camera on your phone, <laughs> you <laughs> know, disable the camera function. But that will not work. Okay. Wow. You know, because Pegasus, it's beyond camera, hmm. your keystrokes. You know, I've seen a lot of people, you know, especially the non tech service, using their phones for email, corporate email access. So while you're typing in your passwords or your cookies, if you don't use passwords, if you're using sessions and all that, Pegasus picks everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, remote call. So it's a big problem that even if you re- refresh, reformat your phone, Pegasus still lives on your phone. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's at the roots level, at the kernel level of your phone, and it's the biggest problem now. So that's one of the ways such level of espionage can take place. You know, Pandora because. These companies really go out of their way to maintain privacy. You want to buy a company, or you want to buy a business? There are layers and chains upon
0: yeah.
1: trusts and holding companies and trustees and everything that have to take place to make you invincible. Now how how do you get through? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that level of sophistication. That level of exposure has to be really done by you know people who really know what they're doing.
2: Okay. So, yeah. From your perspective, yeah. then, as a cybersecurity firm, how do you see the future? You combating that? How do you? You talk about it being really hard to detect yeah. on a system on a phone. How, how you how are you or will you be able to combat it?
1: So the the challenge is the the victims of this privacy breach, like the guys who were exposed they potentially take their security seriously, okay? They are very private. Like you said, they use um, the notebook you know, physical mm. copies for their diary, their ledger and all that. But then again, you give this data to a CSP in somewhere like uh, Samoa, mm-hmm. for example. Now, how does the guys in Samoa take data protection and privacy? Mm. So your security is only as good as the person giving you a service, you know, so those guys probably have your servers, you know, in the office, they don't want to share it with the world. They don't want to go cloud, you know, but that doesn't stop the hacker. It doesn't matter where your server is. As long as you access information, you know, your cloud providers on your phone, this is the easiest access. You know, your GPS location, I can, okay, I can find you. I could, I could build an intelligence, a threat map or a location map of your provider, your service provider. They're going to put their their uh, details on their website. I'm going to find them somehow, you know. So it's a, it's a challenge for the victims because they try to protect themselves. They try to keep themselves private, <clears throat> but the leak is not from them. Right the leak is now this TSP. Yeah, the I
0: think it increasingly yeah. raises awareness that obviously these billionaires that got exposed or the politicians, yeah. they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. I remember yeah. the last papers, the Panama Papers. Also, there was a lot of news, but actually there was very little malpractice. You know, a lot of these things, most of these things were actually legal. There was everything was there and but these billionaires obviously, uh, and the politicians, they will have a lot of backlash of negative news to deal with, yeah. which they didn't want. That's why they trusted the service provider to yeah. take care of that. Yeah. And they increasingly will ask for how do you protect my data? Yeah. Do you take this seriously? Because I don't want to be in the news again next year. Yeah, when there's a next leak somewhere, yeah. you know, I want to make sure that my data is not out there. You know, I keep them private for a reason. Yeah. And some of these people are obviously very private by nature anyway, and they didn't want anyone to know, what they have and yeah. what they do and um, so I think increasingly it raises
2: awareness of you know you need to take this seriously yeah and again as a CSP TSP it's, yeah. it's value add for the client isn't yeah. It? Yeah. it's having having that conversation with the client to say not only can I provide the services you want but yeah. it's the, the the added value of the tech the risk assessment the the, the protection of their data
1: yeah if I'll add the, if you check out most of these CSP's websites and the trust protection and all the, the part of their ethos isn't really cybersecurity or data protection. Mm. You know, it's something that is probably an afterthought or by default, maybe a psychological contract. Don't tell anybody about this. Okay. We'll have an understanding. So maybe they probably need to start changing, you know, the service offering, including cybersecurity, data protection. Mm kind of stuff because like I said it's a moral ethical somewhat legal yeah. gray area legal issue depending on who the victim was
2: yeah yeah, yeah yeah and do you do you know that on the Pandora how that how that hack happened is there, is the news out there or has it ever been
1: the, uh, if I was the leaker let me reverse engineer okay. um, I will make sure that that information is private
2: yeah okay yeah.
1: You know, it's, 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 it's kind of hypocritic, you know. They don't want you to know who they are, yeah. you know, but they were going to expose other people.
2: Are they happy to share their methods, often hackers or not?
1: The consortium of uh, investigative journalists who got the data, yeah. the international consortium, they're not going to share that information. No. That would be the biggest <laughs> yeah, yeah. betrayal of trust. So no. that information is always kept private. Except somehow you find your way to the dark world you know and then on the cover
0: you find out how <laughs> it was done <laughs> yeah. I mean, publicly it just says they were leaked yeah so obviously that, that that means you know potentially an insider yeah. in ver- or various insiders that got um, asked or by international consortium with risk journalists yeah. to provide that information or is potentially paid by them as well um, and that obviously raises, you know, the insider risk of a company, especially, you know, law firms C&Ps yeah. that handle, you know, sensitive documentation. Um, how do you, how do you control that? You know, and that's also same a tech, uh, you know, and a cyber risk assessment, understanding how, how can they get all of that information? How can anyone in the organization get all of that information? You know, even like as a CEO, you shouldn't probably get all of that information download
2: it all. And it's interesting as an employer you, you want to believe and trust every individual yeah. in your business don't you? So yes. It's quite a hard balance mentally as well to, to appreciate that the rally is you staff employees may, may take data off intentionally or not. Yeah.
1: There is one important part of ISO 27001 which talks about the human resource security. Now most companies will do a background check right immediately they want to do employment and that's it they never revisit the checks they never review you know uh, maybe based on their risk risk appetite but there are some companies like the company affected asia asia city trust such organizations with high net worth individuals peps and all that you pro- potentially need to do a review of background checks you know, yeah. you know who are these people Becoming
0: <laughs> in the organization. Some yeah. of the most yeah. you know aware companies, uh, industries yeah. are you know gaming or e-gaming, yeah. and um, they do regular checks on their employees. Some of yeah. some of those gaming firms yeah. are actually making sure that they don't have any other interests in yeah. other comp- gaming companies, for example, to make sure that they don't steal code or don't steal because these co- these industries are aware that IP is their value, whereas historically, obviously, CSPs and law firms, they, they, they think of them as documents, yeah. whereas it's, it's now a digital form of a document. So it is really a digital issue. It's an IP issue, and okay. is what, you know, and, um, you know, so, and a lot of companies think of GDPRs, and oh, I need to make sure I delete personal information from my files from staff members that have left or clients that have left. But they don't necessarily think of GDPRs. in if I get hacked, that's also a GDPR issue. You know, and they don't protect from that Risk necessarily they think of. I need to make sure I delete that CV of my or the passport. Yeah.
2: Rather than what if someone gets that passport? Yeah. 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 Very interesting. So moving on to maybe uh, cyber in general yeah. security. What are you seeing at the moment? What do you see for twenty twenty two?
1: Twenty twenty two would probably gonna see and this is a big probability, the explosion of things like blockchain security. You know, it's it's no, it's no longer an emerging market. It is the major market right now. The market share is competing with regular stocks, with ETFs, index funds. So, um, imagine the last um, quarter, there was huge amounts made from just security audits of blockchain smart contracts. You know, a lot of companies are going to go into that sector. And uh, from these leaks, <laughs> a lot of companies, okay let me go into the blockchain let's see how we could put the wealth in the blockchain Mm. you know instead of real estate and all that to further conceal and keep that anonymity and all that so we're going to see an explosion in security of blockchains and smart contracts yeah
2: so that's the auditing process of that blockchain That. yeah Yeah. okay and is that, that regulated space in regard to so if you firms asked to audit a blockchain yeah uh, and its code is that are they is the regulation around them much like you talk about ISO there if if someone's auditing a blockchain is that
1: right now regulators are struggling to first of all understand you know the blockchain itself but the only thing that's easy for regulation, regulators now is the applications of it so if the application of the blockchain falls in esports or gaming so the regulation will, of gaming will cover that blockchain gaming, yeah. you know. So that's the boundary for now. Nobody's going to ask you too much about what you're doing with blockchain mining because it's a concept people don't understand. i just going to ask what that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, how you, if somebody says, I'm going to set up a mining blockchain company, you know, and for example, um, El Salvador wants to build a, a blockchain city next year and they're going to use uh, mining so they'll use renewable energy from the city to power blockchain mining to increase their crypto base so how do you regulate the outcome from that you know how do you regulate the the income and the profit? how do you measure it so yes another i think another trend we'll see is more regulators employing crypto experts you know a lot of crypto experts to to help them, you know, get up to speed. It,
2: it feels like those two worlds are colliding of yeah. crypto and blockchain. And I suppose inevitably, cause it's computer-based that it's interacting with cyber.
1: Yes. Uh, we're going to see a lot of that, a lot of regulators trying to, okay, let's try and understand what trading is. For example, okay. what crypto trading is, how do you measure profits? You, all these things are very hard to measure. And then when you try to understand them, there's so many layers of complexity. You can't really keep track of it. Mm -hmm. So where they're going now is, okay, let's clamp down on the exchanges. So anyone who provides an exchange platform, you know, Binance keeps telling me, submit your data for KYC, else we're going to block you from, which I get that email all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So now that's the regulators talking through Binance to me. So that's what they understand. So what if people say okay, well, let's to hell with Binance, uh, let's go to decentralized exchange where nobody can track yeah. you know. So how do you track that? There's nobody nobody's gonna chase you for KYC on a decentralized platform. So I think yes, there's security problems as well. You could, you know, lose your money there. So there'll be a lot of development around crypto security. Right. Because I see a massive adoption.
2: No, I,
0: know. Next I, I think yeah. no, for, for, for the time being, you know, the regulators struggle with crypto mm-hmm. and blockchain, but and so their approach for the FSA and the Gaming Submission Commission, for example, their approach is from the traditional world saying, yeah. okay, you want to provide a financial service mm-hmm. or a gaming service, then we you have to follow these rules and you have to do a tech assessment and you know, to make sure that your blockchain is, you know, in your control or something, but they're not necessarily coming from the blockchain or the crypto approach and saying, is the code, is that solution you have, is that secure? They, mm. Because they don't know, they don't understand. They come from the other side. You want to have an exchange? Okay, well, you need to follow KYC procedures yeah. like every other bank or any other traditional exchange. Yeah. You know, but not from a blockchain level. And I think we need to get to that level and increasingly I think they will have to. And imagine they're level. going to be growing pains in the, yeah.
2: in the industry for a long period of time. Because I do always yeah. think about, when you talk about a decentralized exchange, yeah. it's peer, peer-to-peer, yeah. how how my mind thinks how you could even regulate that from a, an external point of view, you because, and I decide on a transaction. Yeah. How, how, can a, how can an oversight regulator have any...
1: You, you can't regulate that. You, maybe the banks, maybe people bringing in money from <laughs> the crypto exchange yeah, again, yeah. so they go but through... it in that world. Yeah, they go through uh, Coinbase to bring what if they move to another uh jurisdiction yeah. right yeah. so they move their money to samoa you know and yeah. then from samoa they use coinbase coinbase will use Clare bank to move it to another bank account you want yeah. in yeah. samoa <laughs> with less regulation so it's you can always dodge the banking side of things but i don't think the real big players are interested in dodging regulators no, no, no. no. you know maybe the minors maybe the kids you know in their mom's basement <laughs> <laughs> trading. they don't want regulation I know. but the big players the companies yeah we want to be regulated tell us what to do what do you need we will supply you the KYC documents you know they're not trying to dodge regulation there's a lot of misinformation misunderstanding, so it goes through the US Congress, you know, gets to some point, they drop the case, you know, and they, they go back and forth. Yeah.
0: And, and we've learned, you know, from the e gaming space again that regulation can be good, you know, it, yeah. it's been very good for the island man being one of the first regulators and being pragmatic about it. And doing the same with blockchain can be, you know, a stamp of approval, like you know, like our ISO certificate, yeah. for example, it yeah. can say, look you Follow best practice, what these guys are doing on the Isle of Man is clear, is clean, it's well understood, yeah. and you know that, that then helps them market that service yeah. globally. Because if it is someone from an unregulated market, then it'll be very hard to trust them going forward. Because you think, oh, there was this case, um, Squid Game, there was a Squid Game token or coin, yeah. and that was based on the 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 associated with the Netflix script game, but they obviously played on that hype. And then they raised a lot of money for their coins and then ran off with it. They ran off with $3 million. Yeah. Because it wasn't regulated. It wasn't understood, you know, and they were obviously somewhere in a dodgy country where they could just do that. Whereas if you going forward, regulate that space and say the other man is a real well regulated market. People are not going to run off with their coins, then that that could be actually very, very good.
2: I suppose it's only the same as the yeah. financial services when they came into the regulated space. It's just yeah. the same process, I guess. Yeah. Great. So, guys, want if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to get in touch? Or, sorry, when <laughs> listeners should reach out to you and have a conversation. I'm sure you're happy to meet up, have a coffee, chat about value you can add to them and ultimately they can add to clients as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, That's anytime. So, viella uh, cybercom or... Just give us a call and/or social media, uh, yeah. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter.
1: LinkedIn, especially yeah, think, yeah. you can well, where are you
0: guys based on the island? Balasala. Okay. Oh, we've got st- some stuff in uh, Douglas as well on uh, with clients on a regular basis, um, and obviously we're regularly in Douglas anyway. So yeah. your
2: reach is long beyond the Isle of Man now, yeah. Yeah, where we've our got listens.
0: clients globally. We've got clients with multiple offers across the world,
2: so we we can service global clients as well as local clients. Super. Great. Yeah. Thanks for joining. It's very insightful. Appreciate it. And hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you, Good Martin. Time. Thank Bye you.